Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome. Pull up a pew uh, for this extra special emergency edition of the podcast of Abe Thompson and Other Disappointments. Uh, if you're new to the show, if this is your first time checking it out, welcome. Pour yourself a beer, grab a G&T. Um, for your twice weekly delve, some, sometimes thrice weekly delve. If there's something interesting going on, you get an emergency pod like this uh but yes your twice weekly delve into the worlds of politics and dystopia and stuff and things uh i've recently been away a little bit um but i've come back this week i've returned um after my three holidays check me out um and what have i come back to what exactly is going on i thought we were supposed to be in like summer recess at the moment i thought it was going to be like a drought of political stories like there's nothing going on in parliament they're all on summer holidays basically and yet here we are talking about a reshuffle which is kind of interesting sort of suggests either they're gearing up for a general election like is that actually going to be announced sometime soon like they want to sort of get all their ducks in a row they want to put their best and brightest (laughs) if that's even possible get the best of a bad bunch up front and centre. So they look like a government in waiting, if not a government in government. <laughs> um, there's a great Marina Hyde article. Uh, I'm guessing if you listen to this show, you probably read Marina Hyde as well. Uh, there's a great article by her uh, last week or the week before where she was saying, you know, they talk about the, the, the way that the Sunak administration are talking, speaking, um, doing their interviews, briefing at the moment. It's like it's like they're campaigning for what they would do if they got into power. And it's like you just want to shake them and go, you realise you're already in government, right? You guys are the government. Stop talking about what you would do or, you know, what you like, why Labour's vision is problematic and they couldn't ever do this or they say that and they could never f- follow through with it. Stop talking about what you would do differently to Labour and what you hope to do in the next... Like, you're in fucking Downing Street now. So here's your chance. Just fucking do something. Um, But yeah, that message doesn't appear to have landed uh, anytime soon. And instead, what we're seeing now is, uh, as I say, sort of getting the ducks in the row, gearing up for... Well, I mean, it's either that or they're trying to dominate the news headlines. They're trying to capture the narrative rather than allow the left, the centre left, your Liberal Democrats, your Labours to actually get some headlines. It could be that too. Because if you consider like in parliamentary recess, there's not much that's going to be announced, is there? They haven't got any exciting new initiatives, even when it isn't parliamentary recess. They're just a zombie government doing absolutely fuck all. Like, when was the last time you heard Sunak or Braverman or any of them? I mean, Shaps is the sort of rock star of today, isn't he? Like, he's, we'll, we'll get on to him in a minute. But when was the last time that you, you heard them announce an initiative that was actually going to affect change and improve someone's lives rather than deliberately intentionally making someone's life harder you know when was the last time 
I honestly can't remember. Like, for, for as far back as I can remember now, the Conservative Party and therefore the government have operated almost exclusively in this realm of distraction and culture war and tabloid hysteria. You know, it's trans rights this, it's stop the boats that, it's making people's lives harder, broadly speaking. You know, oh, we're going to have to clamp down on these benefit scroungers. Oh, we're going to have to stop these desperate refugees making the trip across the channel. Oh, we're going to have to, blah, blah, you know, it's always making shit harder. It's always pushing back on something. When was the last time they actually said, guys, um, you guys, you are really lucky. All right. I'm about to tell you something really exciting. And trust me, you're welcome. Like, <laughs> here's, here's my idea. Here's this new exciting initiative. We're going to siphon off five billion to make sure that every child in a UK school can actually start their work in the morning with a full tummy and just be bright haired and bushy tailed and focused. We're going to make sure every school child has a full school dinner for free. Like, when was the last time they actually did like a an improvement in the way things are run? You know? I struggle to think. Anyway, so it's it's entirely possible that uh, with that in mind, that where you have Keir Starmer, where you have Ed Davey or whoever, and the government are basically on holiday, this is a prime opportunity for the opposition to then step forward and say, all right, OK, well, you know, while the boss is away, <laughs> let me tell you about what we would do. Um, and so maybe the Tories are not, you know, massive fans of that happening. They don't want to give people uh they don't want to give their en enemies their adversaries any more airtime than is absolutely necessary and so what they do is they construct these i mean we saw it what like a month ago we saw uh what was it like stop the boats week and then we saw nhs week and then it was something else week you know like they try to sort of meet out these press releases these stats to, to make it look like they're actually doing something, to, to, to recapture that narrative. Don't give any breathing space to the opposition. But now we've had all of those, or rather they sort of, you know, gave up on them because I think they realised as much as anyone else did that they haven't actually much, haven't really got much to boast about. <laughs> it's like Sunak sitting his top table down going like, all right, guys, all right. Next week is Immigration Week. Next week is Stop the Boats Immigration Home Office Week. What have you got? And Braverman's like, um, absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> what do you mean we've got nothing? We must have done something. No, no, no. Um, in fact, you only gave me this job to um stand up behind a podium and like every time you get yourself in trouble or people start asking you dodgy questions about, you know, your wife's investments and things that you were supposed to declare, but you didn't declare because you inadvertently forgot to declare it. Every time you get yourself in hot water, my job is to stand up there behind a podium, bang my fists and say stuff about, you know, oh, white people haven't got anything to feel guilty about. Say stupid things. I'm, I'm just supposed to stand up there at the National Conservative Conference and say utterly moronic culture war distractive nonsense. That's my job. And I've done that. That is an achievement. Can I talk about that? No, no, I'm afraid not, Suella. Um, I need actual, you know, tangible deliveries specifically around your brief. 
Have you actually done anything? <laughs> Have you stopped one boat? Um, no, no, I haven't. What, what about the planes? Have you, have you allowed one plane to take off to Rwanda? Uh, also, no. Right. Right, well, stop the boats week. Like, immigration week is, is going to be a fucking disaster, isn't it? So let's just abandon that. So, like, obviously that is what happened. They had immigration week, they had NHS week, and, you know, it's all, all part of this desire to recapture the narrative. And now they've abandoned that for the reasons I've, you know, just touched on. Um, and so now what they're trying to do to recapture this narrative uh, is uh, do the reshuffle. <laughs> To make it look like they're still in charge, they've got ideas, and they want to get the best person for the job in the right role. And uh, and one of those roles is Secretary of State for Defence. Now, I'm not like, you know, as much as I rant about politics, I'm not a politics grad. I'm not a journalist. I don't know fucking half of what I'm talking about, like... But my sense is that when you look back at Secretary of State's for Defence in the past, I, my sense is that they usually have some affiliation with this, like, you know, Army or Navy or, you know? Like, I would have thought maybe a Johnny Mercer might have been a shoe-in for this. He's like, ex-Army, you know, he's reasonably high profile now if only for making a complete tit out of himself on <laughs> like question time and twitter and you know picking fights with super tansky having his wife trend on twitter as felicity minge as a result of that picking a fight but you know <laughs> i'm not one to pick faults with other people's goals you know if that's your goal fucking great you've achieved it clap clap but Anyway, so he's reasonably high profile. I would have thought as an ex-army guy, he would have been a shoo-in for something like this. But no, Rishi Sunak, in all his wisdom, has decided to give the job of Secretary of State for Defence for the protection of the United Kingdom to Grant Shapps. How about that? It's incredible, isn't it? Grant fucking Shapps. And the reason I say it's incredible is because in any other industry, in any other walk of life, tribe, company, group of people, circle of friends, in any other discipline, if you were a Grant Shapps man and you had lied about your name to people, you had used aliases, you'd said, oh, yeah, what's up? Like, my name's Michael Green. Oh yeah, what's up? Yeah, my my name's no no I'm not I'm not Michael uh, I'm not Grant uh, I don't know what you're talking about no I'm my name is uh, uh, Sebastian Fox like or Natasha something or, I I can never remember the third one but he had a whole slew of aliases that he was using for like which is kind of like okay like if you want to develop other identities for yourself that's okay you know everyone loves a stage name I'm not sure. You know, if I ever do come to write my autobiography, I may well do it under a pseudonym. I don't know. We'll see what embarrassing tales come out. But if you are an elected member of parliament, 
if you are representing your constituents, if you harbour some aspiration to be taken as anything close to in like a uh, uh, possessing credibility, integrity, why the fuck would you be running a web marketing agency slash get rich scheme <laughs> after? After you've become an MP, like you can't let that that dream go. Is that is that the dream? Is it? That's the career goal. Oh, I can't can't let go of it. It's fucking amazing. Why would you have the like the aliases secretly running this thing after you become an MP, and then it gets un like revealed? It's it's an expose, and you're like, oh, all right, you know, I've I've, I've given it up. It's a bit like the Gareth, uh, Gareth Williamson thing, where it turned... Well, like, wasn't he still selling fireplaces or something? There's something around that, wasn't it? He's history now, though, isn't he? He's toast. Anyway, back to Grant Shapps. It's like in any other discipline, any other walk of life, if you were using aliases, if you were secretly running this other company and then you got found out... Like, I work for a software engineering thing, right? If it turned out I was running something else on the side... You know, a web marketing agency, let's say, <laughs> a get rich quick scheme, for example, and I was using an alias, I would be frog marched out the fucking door. I really would. Be. It wouldn't even be a conversation about gross misconduct or conflict of interest. It would just be like, is this you, Aid? I'd be like, um, no. <laughs> I mean, it looks like you. It looks like look, it's even you in the video. Like you're talking in the video. Is that a deep fake? Uh, I don't think so. So it's you then? Um, well, yeah, not really. No, I, I'm using I'm using a different name on that. Oh, oh, fucking. Oh, well, that's that's uh, yeah, that's way less dodgy now, isn't it? Is this what what name are you using? Michael Green. Fuck it. Well, okay. Listen, Aid. Um, you understand how weird this is, right? And how how strange, like. It's just not conducive with our corporate values. It's just not like you can't you can't have like a secret. I think you're not fucking Bruce Wayne. All right. You're an elected member of parliament or you're a software engineer for this. company. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just in any other company, you'd be frog marched out the fucking door. But for some reason. In British politics. It's like a mixture of rewarding failure and a total vacuum of integrity. <laughs> I mean, it's fine to have a second job. Fine. You know, I have a full time job and then I do this in my spare time. I understand the whole, you know, side hustle, second job thing. Fine. But then when you talk about get rich quick schemes, then it gets a bit murky. And then when you talk about like layering like with the aliases on the top, then it's like, well, hang on. Like, why would you be trying to? Like that. Why don't you just declare it? Or, you know, and then you get into the thing of like, well, which is the actual career goal? Why can't you just let that go? You're supposed to be a fucking public servant. People who go into politics are supposed to do it out of the goodness of their hearts, you know, for the public's good. That's what's so ridiculous about it is like, but the actual goal is the web marker. Oh, I just can't let it go, guys. Can't let it go. He's like a sort of, you know, an exhausted 37-year-old husband and father, right? And the wife is like, look, I understand. I understand that you want to be a pop star, Jeff. I do. 
I don't think you do. But it's just that, you know, me and the kids, we haven't seen you for two weeks now. Every night you're out at rehearsals or gigs or, you know, locking yourself away in the shed, writing what you think is going to be like a new pop song or something. Can you just spend time with your fact? Can you just let this go? No, I can't. I can't let my dream go. I can't. I've always wanted to be a pop star, Trish. I just want to be a pop star. You know, it's like, that's the dream. That's the thing he really... But there would be some integrity to that because, you know, who wouldn't want to be a pop star? God, I'm fucking rambling, aren't I? I'm going right off on a tangent here. Anyway, you get my point. And this is bizarre that Sunak has now put this cretin right up front and sent. Like, it really does beg the question, I think. Like, if this is the guy that gets the job, <laughs> like, who was on the rejected list? <laughs> That's always the thing that, like, if this is the guy, if this is the winner, the best candidate, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy, there. The weird uh, alias marketing agency guy. Yeah, he's, he's the best that we could find. <laughs> who the fuck was the worst? Who got rejected and then as they were walking out of the door, they saw Grant Shapps on his way in and they were like, oh, please, God, no. Like, I, I can handle it. I can handle it if I don't get the job, like if I'm not perfect for this job. But if you give it to Grant Shapps instead of me, I'm going to fucking kill myself. You know, it'd be like, um, it's like if you get dumped. By your really beautiful girlfriend. It's like, that's hard, man. That's tough. I've been through that. And you think, God, I'm... You know, I'm so brokenhearted and I just feel so worthless. But I just, I, you know, I can't hate her if she's not happy with me. You know, I, I don't... She, she doesn't owe me a relationship that she would be unhappy in. And, and so, it's you know, I guess it's just... Them's the breaks. You know, I just got to... Toughen up a bit, and I, I guess in time, you know, I can, I can get over this. I, I still love her, but I've just got to, I've just got to let her go and handle it, and be a man, and have, have some dignity about it, and just, uh, you know. And then you see her walking in the pub with some like obese, like buck tooth guy with a lazy eye, and he's just, you know, dribbling all over himself. You know, and you're like, well, I'm better than that guy. Am I really, like, where do I sit on the pecking order? Am I really below that guy? It's very much the parliamentary recruitment equivalent <laughs> of that humble pie. Or at least it would be if you lost out on the job to Grant fucking Shaps. I actually worried for, for a minute, like, a few weeks ago, I worried that uh, Sunak was going to make Grant Shaps. Uh, the Home Secretary. And I really think that was the job that he was going for. Because he he wrote a letter to Keir Starmer. And I think the letter, I'm going from memory here, I haven't got the details in front of me, but I think the, the letter was saying something along the lines of, will you be returning the donation money that you received from the guy who also funds Just Stop Oil? 
And the implication there is that Labour are being funded by, you know, they are the political wing of Just Stop Oil. That was, if it wasn't him that said that, like that was the messaging that was coming out. Labour are the political wing of Just Stop Oil. Will you please return or will you be returning the money that you got from blah, blah, blah? Um, And I wondered if that was a, you know, was that him pitching for the Home Secretary job? You know, talking about just stop oil and, you know, protest and we've got to get a handle on it. It's that sort of narrative you would expect from an aspiring home secretary, a culture warrior, if you like. Another Suella in waiting. And I also thought maybe he might put Shaps into the home secretary job because... I remember that Rishi Sunak, it was never attributed properly, but I remember fucking reading this somewhere where he was like, oh God, that means I have to have Suella fucking braverment. Like he had to give Suella a job or she was going to be this sort of thorn in his side. She would be this, you know, culture war from the right of the party, causing him problems, privately briefing, uh, like independent private source that's briefing against him in some of the, like she would be a problem if she didn't give him uh, if he didn't give her a job in his new cabinet. Um, and I just wondered, like, if he did off-board her, then here's this guy just in waiting, just pitching, just ready, like, talking about Just Stop Oil and protests and this, you know? I worried that that was where that was headed. But in a sort of bittersweet moment of, like, I think, like it's a good thing that he's not Home Secretary, but it's also not that good <laughs> because Duella Braverman hasn't been removed from power. Like, what a horrendous carry-on cast of utter cretins we now have in power. Like, sometimes, you know, it all gets lost, doesn't it? In the mist. It's sort of, you know, you get bombarded with different quotes and tweets that go viral and people fucking up and you know silly salacious little side stories and stuff it's easy to forget just how fucked uk politics is sometimes like you look at the cabinet now i mean even like so rishi sunak front and center obviously he's already embroiled in accusations that he has attempted to enrich his wife by making certain movements um financially economically that would then benefit his wife through the shares that she has with a childcare company right so he's grappling with that plus you have the background of all of the party gate stuff he was also fined he was given a fixed term penalty notice alongside boris johnson nobody fucking talks about shit he's donated money to a u.s college uh while only donating 10 a 10 pound bottle of wine to his local constituency school when they were trying to raise money they can't afford books they can't afford bog roll Oh, don't worry about it. Here's, here's a £10 bottle of Shabli. Hope, hope that helps. Like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with this? Like, crack open the top and sit it... Like, empty the wine out and sit it under the leak in the Terrapin roof. Thanks a lot, billionaire. So he's got that shit. He's got Partygate. He's got the donation stuff. He's got his green card, the residency thing. He's, up, he's drenched in scandal. But for some reason, it never really, you know, just sort of falls to the side. Well, what, what about the old interview where he says, oh, I don't have any working class friends. Well, you know, I have middle class friends. I have, you know, privately educated. I also have working class. Well, yeah, probably not working class friends. I, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. He's got that shit. 
He's a terrible prime minister. He can't think on his feet. He always seems flustered. And when he like once you get him over the bell curve of being flustered, he then gets tetchy. He's like noticeably irritated by a Beth Rigby, by a Peston. <laughs> when they ask him a question that he doesn't really like, he comes off as tetchy. So he's shit. Then you've got like some of the old guard, the, John the team Johnson lights and Nadine Dorries is just sort of, you know, resigned in a hailstorm and, you know, throwing this broadside at him, outwardly mocking him. Like you've achieved nothing. Nobody voted for you. You've got no mandate. So there's that. You've got your Lee Anderson, knuckle dragger, red wall types. Absolutely abysmal. High risk, low caliber. Who else have you got? You've got your Grant Shapps with a catalogue of fuckery behind him. I didn't even talk about the Ulez thing. <laughs> and how, how Grant Shapps... So forget the alias stuff. Forget the web marketing agency. All of that stuff. Just think about this for a second. Grant Shapps was campaigning around Uxbridge, knocking on doors, saying you should vote for the Conservative candidate in this area. Don't vote for Labour, because a vote for Labour is effectively a vote for Sadiq Khan's ULES extension. So don't vote Labour, because that means ULES. Oh, we hate ULES. And then it came out a couple of days later, Grant Shapps was in contact with Sadiq Khan when Sadiq Khan was like, can I have some more money? Because Shapps was the transport secretary. Please, can I have some more money for this transport secretary? Because this is what we should... And Shapps said, I'll give you the funding if you expand the exclusion zone, <laughs> right? So Shaps is like demanding the extension of a ULES type thing. And then he has the fucking gall to go out campaigning and going, oh, don't vote for Labour, because Labour is the party of the ULES extension that I personally made a condition of giving the extra funding to Sadiq Khan. Like, this is the calibre of cretin that we're dealing with. This is the sort of person that between that and between the aliases and between all the other, you know, litany of ridiculousness to him. All of this stuff, this should preclude him from any consideration, any conversation about a promotion. This is the sort of behaviour and conduct that should end with somebody going, no, no, him. Are you fucking joking? You're not even joking, are you? You, you want to give the job to Grant Shapps? Do you need a CAT scan? What is wrong with you? That's where that conversation should start and end. But instead, where does it end? It actually ends with a Rishi Sunak going, yeah, so um, how does Secretary of, Se of Defense sound? Secretary of State for Defense. I can't talk. That's where it ends. With a ministerial car and a grace and favor property. Utterly abysmal. Who else have we got in the cabinet? Because it's not just them, is it? Therese Coffey. Therese fucking Coffey on TV advising about like Tory healthy eating policy. Meanwhile, getting pictured with a cigar and a fucking beef burger in hand. Or something. Well, it was something along those lines, wasn't it? And and I remember like last time I saw her on uh, like the breakfast rounds, like the uh, morning interviews and stuff. I think it was Ridge. Sophie Ridge was interviewing her. She asked her about um, uh, Suella Braverman's speeding tickets. It was like right at the height 
of all of that stuff. The hysteria around, well, it's not really hysteria. It was like right, right, righteous outrage about Suella Braverman. And uh, she asks Therese Coffey about it. And Therese Coffey just completely like blanked the question and just went off on her own little like monologue or something. And and Sophie Ridge, who is a proven and highly regarded political interviewer, presenter, was speechless. You know, just for her to be speechless. Like, imagine what it would take to just make Peston or, you know, Andrew Neal or someone just go, I, I'm I'm sorry, I, I don't know what the what the fuck is happening here? Like what? Did you did you not hear what I should like it was the the goal of it? So Therese Coffey is out. Wait, isn't she like she's minister for like healthy water or you know the waterways or something? And she's standing in front of the sea, going like, yeah, you know, check out our wonderful British. Life. This is in the same week that Thames Water dumped a load of sewage. It like no reflection, no self awareness of these people at all. How do these people ever? get hired let alone you know promoted into these positions who else have we got michael gove is still knocking around the cabinet michael fucking gove we don't even need to touch on his involvement in the brexit campaign that should be career ending straight off the bat how about we spool forward how about we go way past all of that and instead we focus just on the fact you had a cabinet minister going AWOL up to Scotland, getting off his tits, <laughs> which, look, you know, I'm not one to judge. If you want to have a good time, have a good time. But maybe don't do it when you're an elected member of parliament is all I'm saying. He's up there in some late night, 2 a.m. nightclub, dancing his ass off. Was he on drugs? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to throw any allegations like that around it would be a tragedy if i just clung onto my house through the remortgage only to lose it through illegal action but i'm just saying it's slightly weird that an elected member of parliament and cabinet minister was in a nightclub in at 2 a.m surrounded by students seemingly having a good time in varying states of sobriety let's say only to then, within, what, two weeks, three weeks, something like that, come back onto the breakfast sofas and start moralising over the young people today who dare to use nitrous oxide. Well, you know, I think the, uh, I think the government policy on uh, balloons, on NOS canisters, is probably about right. I think they're, they, they're a gateway drug. They might lead to harmful substances. Harmful substances like what, Michael? What what substances specifically do you think might be problematic? Well, I, mean, um, uh, I don't know. What what gateway drug was it that allowed you to start dabbling in? I can't even say it, can I? But we all know what I'm about to say. We all know the rumours. We've all heard those rumours about Michael Gove, haven't we? And, uh you know, wondered how true they might be when we watch him on the breakfast sofas doing that. What what was that interview he did? Where it was like, wasn't he doing like an impression of like a scouser or something like going like, all right, calm down then. He was like sort of bobbling around from side. Everyone was like, is he on crack? 
It's it, it's, it was honestly, it was the most relatable he's ever been. <laughs> I'm not wishing to sort of trivialize or, you know, make fun of people's, you know, various challenges that they might be going through. Substance related or divorce related or, or whatever. But I'm just saying, you know, he appeared to be a little bit more relatable then. Um, what the fuck am I talking about here, guys? It's an emergency podcast. It's not that prepared. Forgive me. I, I guess what I'm saying here is that the UK government cabinet are extreme in their low bar, low caliber, hugely disappointing, laughably unqualified status. And I'm not entirely surprised that somebody like Grant Shapps, who has bounced around different ministerial positions for, what, the last two, three years? He was Home Secretary for, what, like, <laughs> fucking a few days, was it? And then he was made this, and then that ended. And I think it was Ian Dunt who said earlier, he said, you know, can we stop suggesting that his experiences within Parliament over the last three years uh, have given him a sort of rounded experience. It's utterly fucking ludicrous. You know, he doesn't have experience in defence. We know that because even, even Marc Francois, who on a good day can just about string together a sentence between his three remaining brain cells, if he's not distracted by a spitfire somewhere, if someone doesn't lead him up a garden path like with a trail of World War Two artillery or, or something, you know, even Marc Francois, who is not the greatest mind of the Conservative Party, even he is just like, well, you know what? Old Shaps boy, he's he's a bright one. He is. But it's, you know, he's going to need a, he's going to need to learn quickly. He's going to actually I, I love the quote from Marc Francois. It said he's going to need to bring up the speed really Really quickly. That's word for word what Marc Francois said. He said he's a bright chap, Shaps, but he's going to need to bring up the speed <laughs> pretty quickly. I don't know if there's ever been a quote before from a parliamentarian that has both criticised the intelligence or ability of someone else and perfectly illustrated the lack of intelligence and ability of the person saying it. I think we've broken new ground today, Mark. Fucking well done. Well done, old son. I mean, I suppose really, like, I think Mark Francois has given a, he, he's been given a brief of uh, the forces. He's not, you know, Secretary of State for the Armed Forces, but he is, I think he's a minister of or for. The armed forces, but we should be grateful to some extent that people like Mike, like Mike Francois, are not being given the big jobs, are they? You're not seeing a Mark Francois promoted today. You're not seeing Lee Anderson taken out of that chair role and then pushed into like you know Secretary of State for Home Affairs or anything. It's it's you know he hasn't got rid of Suella Braverman, which I'm you know I'm a bit disappointed about, but. But he hasn't brought even worse people in. If, you know, if you make the exception of Grant Shapps. 
I wonder who the department, who's the Secretary of State for Education now? Because they must be having a rough fucking day. They really must, because I don't know. I don't know if you've seen this in the news this afternoon. I'm going to quickly look up who it is, Secretary of State. Um, oh, it's Gillian Keegan. Okay, there you go. Um, but uh, news broke on the BBC website and uh, Sky News earlier that around 150, maybe 200 schools in England, not in the wider United Kingdom, just in England, um, around 200 schools are going to close. They're going to be forced to close next week. Just when all the kids' parents thought they were just going to go, like, okay, okay, like, I can I can handle six weeks with my kids. I can I can just about take that. Oh, God, you know, we've been away on holiday, and that sort of broke it up a little bit. And then, oh, and then we had your mother come and stay with us. And, oh, that was fucking awful. But, okay, fine. We're just at the last hurdle now, five and a half weeks in. But finally, I can just propel you back through the school gates and finally regain my sanity and then this notif comes through this push notification from the bbc news and it's like 150 schools are expected to be forced to close next week as crumbling infrastructure impacts education it's like basically what's happened is these schools were built with a certain type of concrete and this concrete is now going end of life like it can no longer be insured if these walls were built with a certain type of concrete. And they've identified about 150 to 200 schools in England that are in this sort of time bracket and were built with this specific type of concrete. And now through health and safety, they're now, you know, contacting the schools and they're going, yeah, um, have you got any, uh, you got any spare terrapins? You got any spare capacity in your way over capacity school? That we haven't given you any budget increases for for like thirteen years. Have you got have you got a spare secret classroom out the back that you could just you know meet out the the pupils a little bit? Uh, no, no, we don't. Oh, right, okay. Then you're going to have to close until we rebuild the classrooms. You have your fucking mind. How many parents are going to kill themselves next week? Is that that? There's the push notification I want to see is the Samaritan's prediction for how bad the suicide rate's going to get when 25 million parents are told, yeah, your kids um, your kids are going to have to learn online again. Your kids have been driving you crazy for six weeks. Remember how bad it was in the pandemic when you're all locked in together? You remember how badly you drank by 2 p.m. every day? <laughs> well, uh... Here's the sequel. <laughs> like that's that's basically where we're headed. Like next week, unless someone comes up with some quick fire solution. And really, this is you know this is indicative of of Tory Britain. You know, I've been saying this for a while, like about the collapse of civilization, about the collapse of society. You know, I usually talk about it in the context of the expiration of fossil fuels. Like what's going to happen when the oil runs out. But it could just as easily happen through, you know, debt. The national debt, you know, like how most of your tax money doesn't even go towards schools and roads and, and all the rest of it. it actually goes towards servicing debt. 
where the government have borrowed money and they have to pay that back. And now they have to, if they want to borrow more money, they have to pay it back at a worse interest rate because Quartang and Trust fucked the economy last year. So more and more of your money goes to it. And basically the point I'm getting to here is that as we pay more of our money towards servicing debt and less of our money towards hospitals and schools, what you're going to start to see is the sort of decline of the United Kingdom, the, the sort of collapse of our way of life, which sounds really dramatic. But what I mean is like it's not going to happen in a big bang. It's not going to like the collapse of Great Britain is not going to happen like bang, like, oh, shit, who did that? Oh, it was the Tories. Right. That's it. Haul them out here. Let's Gaddafi these motherfuckers. Like it's not going to be like that. It's going to be slow and gradual. It's going to be a sort of glacial exercise of decline and just just a slow movement towards hospitals no longer being fit for purpose, towards schools that were built with hugely out-of-date materials that were probably supplied by a fucking donor on the <laughs> like brown envelope thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, matey, matey boy over here. Yeah, he donated last year, but he reckons he can get us some like, knockoff like, fucking breeze blocks or something. Yeah, yeah, just, just give the contract to him. It's fine. We'll be out of power by the time the shit hits the fan. And even when the shit hits the fan, it's a, it's a dodgy old fan that a different donor gave us. It doesn't even work, so it's fine. The shit won't go anywhere. It'll just go all around the fan. By that point, it'll be Labour's fan. Labour will be running this office with their shitty fans. Who gives a fuck? Sign here. Anyway, <laughs> my point is, all of these in- infrastructure-related buildings, the schools, the hospitals, the Department for Transport and the Department for Education and the Civil Service, and all of these government-funded, public-funded institutions and industries will just very, very gradually be starved of funding and they will no longer be able to pay their bills, so they'll, their electricity will have to be turned off like one day a week. And then one day a week will become two days a week. And then the schools will only operate from you know Monday to Thursday. And hospitals will stop doing this type of operation. And just very slowly, services will become no longer fit for purpose. And local buses won't run any longer. And... It, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it won't be a big bang that shuts down the country. It will be a slow, decade-long winding down of essential public services, medications, education, um, provisions, uh, support like phone lines. The HMRC won't get back to you as quickly. Do you know what I mean? And what's going to happen at the end of that decade? Is that but like by that point, Labour will have been in power for like, you know, seven years, let's say by then. And here's my fear, right, is that the Tories have left the economy in such a state that now like Labour will probably in some capacity get into government next general election. But people have got really short memories and a lot of hope and they're hurting. And here's my this is my fear, guys, is that. Labour will get in and then after like three years of being in, everyone's just going to go like, well, this is really shit. Like everything's getting worse, man. 
everything. And people like me will be like, yeah, because you, you fucking let the Tories run them up for 13 years. This is how bad they got it. It's going to take so long to repair the damage. But people are going to be like, well, I voted Labour because, I, you know, I thought they were going to fix everything. I thought they were much better than the Tories. But I tell you what, I'll tell you what, mate, it's just as bad. In, in fact, if anything, it's gotten worse. You know, they've shut this hospital. They've shut this walking clinic. They haven't reopened all the domestic violence shelters. And then they'll vote the Tories back. Because, like, what is what is more comforting to an everyday cretin, right? What is more comforting? Me telling them that things are actually really fucking bad. Things are really serious. And it, it could take 15, 20 years to repair the damage that the Tories have just inflicted. It really could take a generation to turn it all around. Do they want to hear that story? Or do they want to hear the one where, uh, you know, it will be a 40-year-old conservative MP? He's the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, fresh face of the conservative. He's a modern conservative, this guy. You know, he's in touch with the environment. He cares about women. He cares about trans rights. He's a modern Tory, guys. It's not like those old stuffy Tories. He's not corrupt. He's a good egg, this one. Look at him. He's on the Jonathan Ross show. He's laughing. He's having a joke. He's just like you. You know, it'll be something like that. And then when this guy, or could be a woman, stands up behind the podium and says, he doesn't have to be this way. Vote for the new conservatives. You know, people will run to that story. Do you think that everyday cretin wants to hear my story where it's like, things are really fucking hard and it's going to take years yet to turn it around? Or do they want to listen to this guy? This populist, probably good looking, <laughs> full head of hair. Husky hugger. It's going to be David Cameron all over again. And that is my fear. Guys, I'm going to have to leave it there for this uh, emergency podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I will be back tomorrow night. It's uh, That's Friday the 1st. Uh, my guest is Rufus Hound. I'm very excited to have him on. Um, if you are in a position to support the podcast, do consider jumping on patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N. On the end, uh, if you are also in London, guys, if you're around London, why not come to the live show, man? We're doing a it's, it's, it's live comedy, going to be some games. I've got Otto English coming down, Ashley Hayden, John left at the countryside. That's on the 28th of September at the book club in Shoreditch. Uh, so that's going to be lots of fun. I'm also appearing at the Riot Society on the 10th of November. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Keep it booge and hashtag Bimfluencer. And I'm out this motherfucker.